Um, oh dear. Uh, <laughs> I honestly don't know how to answer that. I don't think I did, that I know enough about like gender studies and gender issues to actually answer that question properly. Gender. You Chicago has made me question that a lot more, actually. Um, I'm a girl, I guess. Yeah. I've never really thought about it. My name is Ayushi Srivastava. And I'm Paul Dillon. The Vein is about the University of Chicago. Our students, our faculty, and... Because it's the University of Chicago... Science. <laughs> Today we'd like to talk to you about gender. This piece came out of two thought-provoking stories told by students on campus. So let's go ahead and begin with our first story. So my name is Mark Kellifer. I'm a third year in the college. Um, I'm studying statistics. and I'm from Lafayette, California. I would say I identify as transgender. When I was born, I was assigned female at birth. Um, and I tried really hard to make that work for quite a while. Mark is a student who has recently transitioned. I sort of had this idea when I was little that, like, I would hit puberty and, like, magically become into a woman since, like, I guess I, I looked around me and, like, I, I saw a lot of, specifically when I was in middle school, I saw a lot of people making that transition and, like, I think there's some amount of discomfort with, like, your body changing or whatever, but it seemed like a few years down the line, everything would sort of sort itself out, and, like, and I kept on waiting for that to happen for me. And I think what happened instead was I felt sort of, like, increasingly disconnected from my body, disconnected from just my, like, everyday interactions. I certainly would not identify exclusively with my birth sex as a gender. That's Stella Biederman, another student we spoke with. Before coming here, there, I didn't think that there were, like, any options, any... It was like, you know, oh, you have a dick, you're a male, or, oh, yeah. you have a vagina, and you're a female, and, like, that's just the way it is. And, and certain things about that and certain things about the way that that causes people to treat you, I have always felt a tension against. Yeah. But, but I, 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 I didn't realize I had an option for that as opposed to like gravity where it's like well you don't like being on the ground get used to it because yeah. you don't have another choice like when you're little I don't think you think about issues of gender a lot there is an age I think um, where a lot of small children are like trying to classify everything um, and uh, when I was little I, I did definitely insist that people should classify me as a boy that was something that I did when I was small but it would it was, it was never something that the adults around me took very seriously, and I sort of learned from that 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 wasn't, that I was, like, in the wrong about my, like, internal classification. Mark and Stella spoke about the experiences of a transgender person on the Chicago campus. On the one hand, I feel like almost any college campus, barring, you know, like, fundamentalist Christian universities, um, are just better places to be queer than just about anywhere else. One thing that I have noticed is that people seem to be a lot more open-minded about basically everything here yeah. than I'm used to back at home, which is really, really wonderful. On the other hand, there's sort of constant little things that are, uh, I 
think frustrating as a trans person. Something that is that you know trans people just deal with day in day out is this issue of you know what pronouns are people going to use with me. I think a lot of trans people in general, especially non-binary trans people, um, it's really a struggle and it's a very small way in which people constantly invalidate their identity. You know, on some days someone will say he and I'll be like, oh, that was supposed to be in reference to me, oh, okay. And some days that doesn't happen, and, you know, and some days I, I get really excited when when someone says she and then some days I don't. You know, I, I hear lots of different pronouns and I like that, like I like, um, I like hearing all of them. In general, it's, it's really difficult for trans students to kind of deal with the professor interaction. Oftentimes your legal name isn't the name you use. That name ends up, you know, in class lists everywhere, uh, which is very awkward. Some people avoid that by putting an initial down and then, uh, you have to deal with the fact that some percent of your professors will very publicly ask, you know, oh, why do you have an initial instead of your name? Uh, and then there's just some percent of the professors that, some large percent, that don't really know anything about trans issues um, and so are likely to, you know, just say stuff or be unwelcoming. Jeffrey Howard is the director of the Office of LGBTQ Affairs on campus. We spoke to him about some ways the university is trying to make campus more welcoming for transgender students. The most recent policy change was the preferred name policy, uh, which allows students to um, enter their preferred first and or middle names into MyU Chicago. So that pops up on chalk, it pops up in um, the class rosters. In fact, when a professor sees their class roster, it doesn't even go to the legal name if that's all that's there. One of the things that I really noticed over the last six years though is that we have a lot more students who are out coming to the university and we have a lot more trans students who are out before they get to the university. We've had to look at some of our policies, like how do people change their sex legally within our system? Because if they applied under one sex and now they identify in a different way, we need to figure that out. So, and, and you know, that affects a lot of things. That affects your financial aid, that affects things like intramural sports, all sorts of different pieces where this kind of, uh, housing is another yeah. place where that could come into play. So it affects a lot of different things. So we had to figure out a system for that. So we have that in place now too. Howard broke down some of the ways gender is defined and experienced. There's gender identity, there's yeah gender expression, there's biological sex, and there's who you're attracted to. Right. So it can kind of go all over the place. So uh, I'll use myself as an example. So sex, uh, I would definitely say I'm male. Biologically, I'm male. I consider myself cisgender. Then gender identity, I pretty much feel male for the most part. I mean, I may have my moments when, how does somebody explain it? When I, got, when I see that Game of Thrones is coming out, I may get a little excited and squeal. Okay. I think a lot of people do that. And that might not be, you know, masculine by this yeah. uh, culture's standards. Because, you know, gender is really based a lot on cultural standards, yeah. right? So I would kind of still more on the, the male side of things, but maybe a little bit higher. It's like a soundboard, right? You, right. you mix the, the levels up in different places. Gender expression, again, would probably be very much more towards the male side of things. Um, and then sexual orientation, you know, on a Kinsey scale, I would be a six. So completely gay, not interested in women. Yeah. But, and that all changes over time, though. So that may be how I am right now. 
Um, it could change in an hour from now. But after talking to Howard, some of us were kind of wondering, how does sex diverge from gender from a biological standpoint? The configuration of tissue doesn't really tell you anything about the person's feeling of self. That's Brandon Hill, a researcher at the university's Center for Interdisciplinary Inquiry and Innovation in Sexual and Reproductive Health, better known as CI3. Because at the end of the day, genitals are just tissue (laughs) and blood and organized rearrangements of cells. The fact that certain configurations of cells could actually somehow interplay with the person's idea of who they are in the world, what clothes they would wear, what kind of hairstyle, I found so interesting that there would be, it would be impossible to just attend to what was going on at the kind of biological level. Before coming to UChicago, Dr. Hill worked at the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. I worked there as a faculty member, as a scientist at the Kinsey Institute until I came here at University of Chicago in the summer, in July. My work was on the, um, it looked at three different topic areas, looking at the significance of actual genital structure and appearance, and how genitals are connected to concepts of gender or concepts of the gendered self. I focused on um, male to female, transgender and transsexual individuals and the surgeries they have. Um, and the kind of connection between how the genitals actually serve to um, not necessarily validate, but kind of align uh, the, the gendered psychology uh, with the physical body. We wanted to learn more about the biology of gender, so we talked to Dr. Marco Sajan, who teaches the biology of gender. When I first ran this class, um, I got lambasted by one of the feminist groups on campus saying, how dare you try to reduce gender to a biological phenomenon? And I said, I'm not trying to do that. You know, I'm trying to just say what, what are the biological components to this very complex thing of gender. But you know, gender, as you guys know, spans culture, it spans psychology, it spans uh, economics, it spans so many different disciplines. And, and, and biology is just one element that, that contributes to gender, but I, as a biologist, that's all I can talk about with any sort of authority. So I come at this from a very much a biological perspective, knowing that I'm probably committing a lot of uh, a sins in, in other disciplines. We asked Dr. Osajan to define transgender from a biological standpoint. From a biological perspective, there are particular brain regions that have been shown to be different between cis and trans individuals. And um, one of those is the the, the bed nucleus of the stria terminalis, which is this tiny little brain region deep in the brain that shows a definite uh, male, I I, I hesitate to use use these words, but but it shows a male and a female phenotype that seems to bring about the feeling of maleness or the feeling of femaleness in individuals. Dr. Osajan told us about a Dutch physician and neurobiologist named Dick Schwab, who studies the tiny brain region just described. Dick Schwab refers to himself as a neuro-Calvinist, <laughs> arguing that everything from gender identity to sexual orientation is neurologically determined in utero. While many of his claims are highly controversial, he has somewhat conclusively identified the constellation of brain regions involved in generating a feeling of gender, a feeling of maleness or femaleness. Whatever that means. Mark and Stella both felt there was a gap between their own experience and their peers' knowledge. Not knowing that you know someone who is trans and not knowing someone trans are two totally different things. And if changing one of those statements into the other would change the way that you behave, you're probably behaving wrong. We're sometimes 
cruel, and, some, and sometimes we're cruel without intending to be. You constantly have to define for other people who you are, um, and you have to do that in respect to your transness. And I, in fact, before coming out, I was really scared that that was someplace I was going to be. I had just grown up sort of wanting a lot of very conventional stuff. I, I, I kind of, you know, wanted a house in the suburbs and like a nine to five job and like the requisite number of children. And uh, it sort of felt like to me being trans was, you know, a barrier to all of that. I, I didn't know of any trans people that were doctors or scientists. Actually, my senior year, um, I um, learned uh, that a biologist whose work I was very into was actually transgender. And that, that was huge for me because it was just the knowledge that, you know, like you could be trans and still, you know, like do something with your life. That I didn't necessarily know that that was true when I was younger. That certainly wasn't a message I'd received. We'd like to thank everybody who contributed to this podcast. And to thank you for listening.